now this is recording. RTI International Center for Forensic Science presents Just Science. Hello and welcome to Just Science, a podcast for forensic science professionals and anyone who is interested in learning more about how real crime laboratories work. I'm Lauren Mangum, your host for this week. In this episode, you'll be hearing from forensic science experts who bring valuable resources to the Forensic Technology Center of Excellence. We have with us today Sarah Norsworthy, Nicole Bynum, and Catherine Moore. Welcome all. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Lauren. Let's get started with some basic questions. Sarah Norsworthy, what is your uh, job title at RTI International? I am a forensic scientist. And Catherine Moore, what is your RTI International position? I'm a forensic scientist. And Nicole Bynum, what is your uh, job title? I am a forensic scientist. And uh, Nicole and Catherine, what is uh, your specific discipline? My background is in forensic toxicology. And my background is in forensic toxicology. And you both have the certification, correct? Correct. Yes. Catherine, what what does that mean to be certified as a forensic toxicologist? Both Nicole and I went through uh, studying and took a test for the American Board of Forensic Toxicology. So you take the test, but what else is involved with it? We have to be able to answer questions and show that we're competent in various disciplines within forensic science. You have to apply to take the test also. So you fill out an application and you have references. And once you're accepted, then you take the exam. All of that information is online that they can go to the American Board of Forensic Toxicology website, and that's where they can find more information on uh, their pathway for that. Sarah, you're a little bit different than Nicole and Catherine. What is your specific discipline? My background is in forensic DNA analysis. Where did you go to school, and what did you get your degree in? So I went to Smith College, which is in western Massachusetts, and I got a bachelor's in biology and also in mathematics. And then after graduating from Smith, I went to Boston University to get a master's degree in biomedical forensic sciences, and I concentrated in DNA analysis. And who did you work with that was from Boston? I worked with Katherine Gergacek, and I know she's done a lot of stuff for the FTCOE. Yeah, so she actually has a a webinar out, and she has a podcast. She was also part of our 2018 R&D symposium, so her information's out there as well. What did you do with Katherine? So I worked with Catherine on one of her grants at the time, which was looking at examining the number of contributors to DNA mixtures. And so I was looking at uh, probability of dropout. And all of my work and then the work of two other graduate students on this grant was incorporated into a software program called Knockit for a number of contributors. So we all looked at different aspects of the software to help provide input and make sure everything was modeled correctly. And so after BU, where'd you go next? Well, I was finishing up my degree. I started working at NetBio, which is now Andy, and they do um, rapid DNA analysis solutions. So they have an integrated DNA analysis instrument, and I worked there for two years as a research associate. And so Nicole, uh, where did you, where did you get your undergrad from? I received my bachelor's and my master's from UNC Greensboro. Oh, really? Wow! So you're local to North Carolina. I have been here all my life. So UNCG, what kind of program do they have there? I received my bachelor's and master's in chemistry. What job did you end up with after graduation? So after graduation, I came to Durham, 
and I worked at Magellan at the time. It was Magellan, then it changed to Cardinal Health, and now they're Catalan. And I just got a job as a chemist in the lab, the inhalation lab. So we just worked with inhalation devices that you would use to deliver asthma medication. And I was ready to leave. So one day I Googled forensic pathology because it's all I really knew. This was just when CSI was coming out. So it was before the CSI effect. And I received an email to staff writer because it was during the Matthew Peterson case. So I got a hit with that case. So I just emailed the staff writer and said, hey, I have a chemistry degree. I am interested in forensics. Do you have someone I can contact? And I was thinking I wouldn't hear anything back. One hour, I heard something back, and he gave me the contact to someone at the medical examiner's office. I didn't know it at the time, but that was the chief medical examiner, um, Dr. John Butts. And I contacted him immediately, and within an hour, he emailed me back and invited me to come to the medical examiner's office for a tour. So I went one Saturday and actually was able to tour where they do the autopsies. And he said, hey, you know, I looked at your resume. We have a position open in our tox lab for forensic chemists. You should apply. And I did. And I worked there for three years. And then I came to RTI. So, Catherine, where did you get your degree from? So I got my bachelor's degree at Virginia Commonwealth University in forensic science. But also through their program, I was able to take extra courses to also have a dual degree in chemistry. And then I ended up staying there for my master's degree in forensic science and going in their track for drug chemistry and toxicology. So one of the interesting things how VCU plays with FTCUE is there was one of the original partners for uh, the FTCUE program. What led you to North Carolina? So at VCU, they have an internship program. And I did my internship here at RTI International, and I actually worked on an NIJ grant with my internship. And what NIJ grant was that? That was the Forensic DB Chem Informatic Database, which I think was also part of the FTCOE at some point. Mm-hmm. And then after that summer working here, once I graduated, I came back here and stayed on for a year as a contractor. And then at that time, I decided that RTI is where I belong, and R&D program is kind of where I stayed at. Excellent. So they were they were so good to you that you ended up staying. Absolutely. I actually have someone that we work with quite a bit at VCU. Obviously, you probably know Dr. Michelle Peace. Do you want to cue listeners in on who she is? Yeah, so Dr. Michelle Peace was uh, my mentor there at Virginia Commonwealth University. She was on my internship project when I came here at RTI. Did you work at all on the vaping research that she has done? No, that's something that she has now with her current students, uh, but that I love that work. It's amazing. I love seeing all of their posts on Facebook, and they're always at conferences uh, giving their presentations. So I definitely keep track of VCU and what they're currently doing. Yeah, and uh, listeners, uh, if you haven't yet checked it out, we do have Dr. Michelle Peace on a podcast, and she talks all about her vaping research. So if you're interested in vaping research, go back to our season on drugs and check that out. Catherine and Nicole, you guys are kind of uh, partners in crime within the research part of CFS. So we actually have another talks person on staff, which is Dr. Jerry Rapera-Miller, and she is the chief scientist right now for CFS. Catherine and Nicole both work very closely with Jerry. Have you both worked on NIJ grants with Jerry? Yes. Yes. And what were those grants? She was instrumental in helping us with some of our NIJ grants that One I recently was a principal investigator on, and then Nicole a few years prior to that, you know, helped her with mentoring her as a PI and co-PI for some NIJ grants. So let's take it back, Sarah. So before uh, you ended up at Smith, 
you had already decided that you wanted to get into forensic science. So do you mind telling us that story? Yeah, I got interested in forensics when I was in high school. I can't remember. It was either my junior or senior year. There was a forensic science summer camp at the University of Arizona, which I for high school I lived in Tucson. So I it was a two and a half week program and we got to go through all the different aspects of forensic science. So we got to look at bullet casings and look at the patterns on those. We got to do some work with DNA analysis, looking at DNA profiles. And at the end of the camp, we process the mock crime scene in groups. So after that, I just thought forensics was really neat. And so each step I took after that was to get me to forensics. And how did you land on DNA? I always really liked biology. And so Smith has a couple different tracks in biology. And I went with the one on genetics evolution. And so that brought me into genetics. DNA was always a natural fit. Let's get into some other questions. So Sarah, what is the most interesting thing that you have seen or done in research? When I worked at NetBio, I got to be one of the scientists on our disaster victim identification projects, which was looking at running humans' tissue samples in the rapid DNA instrument. And because some of the samples, we had to pre-process them or do additional steps prior to putting it into the instrument, we had to do all the research to find out the best way to pre-process those samples. I worked a lot with bone and different tissue samples like muscle, liver. We worked on some brain, which I found out that as soon as you touch brain, it turns to mush. So it's very hard to work with. And then the Massachusetts Office of the Chief Medical Examiner, they were interested in rapid DNA. So we got to work with them and help them process some of their samples that weren't involved in casework anymore. And it was great being able to work with them and go to their office in Cape Cod and help set up the instrument and run some of their samples. So that was one of the most interesting projects I've ever worked on. And all of our protocols for processing the human samples, they had to be translated to field protocols because it, the rapid DNA instruments are designed so they be, can be taken out into the field. And in the field, you don't have the luxury of freezer mills to grind up bone really fine. You don't have any of the laboratory equipment that makes all of it very easy. So we had to translate it to how can you grind up bone really small? Okay, well, let's see what we can do with a hammer. Oh, wow. So it went that... Yeah. So we had to translate everything to if you had these tools in a field, some electricity, obviously... Rapid DNA survivalist type deal. (laughs) So it was a lot of experimenting and trying different things. And a lot of times it didn't work great. And in the end, we found ways to get everything to work pretty well. So did anything come out of that that listeners can go and check out? At the Rapid DNA Forum, one of the presenters was Christine Kavicki, and she is the one that we worked with from the Massachusetts OCME, and she presented on implementing or integrating Rapid DNA into the OCME. And so that you can find on the FTCOE website at ForensicCOE.org. Nicole, what is the most interesting thing that you have seen or done in research? I would say it would have to do with the gunshot residue project that we um, did last year. I found that the most interesting because mainly, as we previously discussed, 
I work in forensic toxicology. So working in the area of gunshot residue was, was different. And we were able to actually get out of the lab and go to the gun range and collect gunshot residue from the hands of law enforcement officers. So that was interesting to me because instead of being in the lab and kind of doing a lot of the same things for the past several years, that gave us a chance to get out and do something totally different and learn a different type of chemistry. Okay, so Catherine, you've also been doing research for quite a while now, um, and you have released quite a few papers this past year. So what is the most interesting thing that you have seen or done in research? My most interesting thing is being able to work on a variety of projects, doing different types of technology evaluations where I wouldn't be able to get a chance to work on those types of instruments or assess those without being in the R&D program here. Sarah, you've done many things with the FTCOE at this point. Do you have a favorite thing that you've got to work on in the past? Because you've, you've been with FTCOE for about, you know, a little over two years now, right? So is there anything that was super interesting to you that other people could go to the website and maybe find and research themselves? I would say one of the biggest projects I worked on last year was to prepare for the Rapid DNA Technology Forum. So myself and Danya co-hosted the event, and it was quite a long journey from the beginning stages of just envisioning what we wanted to do and actually having the forum. And it was just great being able to meet all the big names in the field. So a lot of stuff came from that too. So we have an in brief that listeners can go onto the website and read, but we also have a Just So You Know podcast. We also have archived webinars and things like that. It was a very successful forum. There's a lot of conferences where Forensic DNA is either touched upon or the focus of the event, like the ISHI conference. The focus is forensic DNA and rapid DNA. There's always a couple presentations maybe on rapid and there's always vendors in the exhibit halls, but there's no event specific to rapid DNA. And because of the recent passage of the Rapid DNA Act and just a lot of efforts from manufacturers and the FBI on getting rapid DNA ready for the U.S. We felt that there is a gap in the field, so we wanted to have the forum. So we got a lot of great feedback out of it. Right. And uh, for listeners, if you do end up going to ISHI, you will find Sarah Norsworthy and Donya Slack hanging around. So look for the Forensic Technology Center of Excellence booth and come say hi to us. Nicole, tell us one interesting fact about yourself. I am a horror movie lover. Oh, really? Yes. So like slasher 80 films? Slasher is my favorite genre. Okay. Yes. All right. Hard to find a good slasher movie nowadays, but that's my favorite thing to do. What's your favorite slasher film? Halloween. Halloween. Okay. The classic. The original, not the remake, although I was not disappointed by the remake. I thought Rob Zombie did a pretty good job of that. Yeah. But the original. Uh, Sarah, you actually have an interesting fact about yourself as well. Uh, Something to do with uh, animals? Yes. I would just like to say that I also love horror movies. One of my favorites is The Shining, oh. the original. Oh, goodness. Um, but that's, yes. That's I, a different kind of horror <laughs> film than slasher. But I would say that, yes, I do love animals. I've been a vegetarian now for more than half my life. I especially like farm animals. So the fun picture I gave for this interview is me with a cow because, I mean, cows are awesome. My favorite animal, I would say chickens. Oh, really? Yeah, when I I think I was five years old, my family went to like a Dixie Stampede 
something like that in South Carolina. Yeah. Sounds about right. And they needed volunteers to chase chickens. I forget why we were chasing chickens. Probably best to forget why you're chasing chickens. But I got to chase a chicken. So I like to think that that's where my obsession began. So I have a lot of chicken things in my office. And the cow in your picture is from NC State, isn't it? Yeah, my boyfriend's cousin is a research assistant at the vet school. So when I first moved down here, I spent some time with her. And when she said, hey, you want to come join me to go to the vet school? I said, of course. (laughs) I want to pet all the cows. So I took a selfie with a cow. So Catherine, if you could have any job in the world, what would you be doing? I'd be a teacher. Oh, yeah? Probably a high school chemistry teacher. Okay. So, Sarah, if you could have any job in the world, what would that job be? Well, building upon my love for animals, I think it would be awesome to be a safari guide. Okay, that's different. Wasn't expecting that one either. (laughs) Because I I could just hang out on wildlife preserve, I don't know, maybe the Serengeti and see all the zebras and elephants and then teach people about how awesome animals are. It's a very exotic job choice. What would be your dream job? I would be an interior designer or a massage therapist. So, Nicole, why do you choose interior design? I just love it. I could spend probably half a day looking at glass, tile, backsplash, and paint colors. and Bringing them all together? Bring them all together, yeah. Okay. And why a massage therapist? Because I have a lot of neck problems that manifest into tension headaches. So I always thought it'd be nice to have that job that someone, yeah, someone comes in, they're all stressed out. Maybe they're having a bad week, so they're in some pain, and then you just loosen up their muscles and send them out. Right. Better than when they came in. So, Catherine, is there anything that you would want to tell your younger self or other younger uh, forensic professionals that, you know, maybe they should look out for or any kind of helpful tips? Yeah, if students have the opportunity to go and present their research at conferences, whether they're regional conferences or national ones. Networking is really important. That's where you can uh, talk to people at these events. They always have job fairs, places where you can find an interest that you may not have had prior. Sarah, do you have any helpful tips or things that you feel like young professional scientists or people who are trying to get into the field should adhere to? Well, I appreciate that I did get my undergrad degree in a physical science biology because I always have that to fall back on. Since I knew I wanted to go into forensics, I got my master's, so I was able to concentrate in forensic science. And then I would say to just take opportunities that come up, whether they fit into what your plan was or not. A lot of students going and getting either their undergrad or graduate degrees in forensic science these days, I know the goal is usually to get a position in a crime laboratory, but as forensics becomes more popular, those positions are harder to come by. So when I took the job at NetBio, I wasn't necessarily expecting to go into more of a research position, but I'm grateful for the opportunity that came up and it was able to advance my career and allow me to get a position at RTI. That's all the time that we have for today on Just Science. Thank you, forensic science experts of the FTCOE, for being on Just Science. You're welcome. Thanks for having us, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. Opinions or points of views expressed in this podcast represent a consensus of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official position or policies of its funding. 